0: This is a solo episode, it's just me, and it's kind of an emergency um, episode in the sense that I'm preempting some of the other stuff that I had planned to do, uh, and that's because uh, this is just to talk about this threat, it's like a human rights campaigner kind of episode, you guys, uh, I'm just here talking about this threat that was made by uh James Kabarebe, who I believe his title is a special presidential advisor to uh, President Paul Kagame of Rwanda. And here's what he supposedly uh, or allegedly has said. Um, I'm reading off an article by Kambale Mustavuli, who had a translation from a f- some friend of a friend, basically. And uh, Kabarebe apparently goes on, he went on, TV on Rwandan television, and he said the following, there are some organizations that lost the war that use a Congolese mushi, which is referring to the ethnicity of uh, Dr. Mukwege, a doctor named Dr. Mukwege and a bunch of organizations who had interest in keeping refugees in the Congo who run propaganda talking about 6 million Congolese killed, but they have no evidence. You can't kill 6 million people and not be able to show a body. There is a report called mapping report that they use as a base for that propaganda. So he's talking about the mapping report, which is actually a United Nations report, which documented uh, hundreds of crimes, uh, not just by Rwanda in the Congo, but also by um, other actors, including Congolese actors. Um, It was like a report that tried to be comprehensive about what went on during the Congo Wars uh, of 96, 98, even the mapping report, which I've read cover to cover. Um, I read every single incident. I've kind of picked it apart and put it back together for the book that I wrote on this topic, which is called America's Wars on Democracy in Rwanda and the Democratic Republic of Congo by Paul Grave Macmillan this year. So if you want more details, everything, most of what I'm going to say is about this. I've also written a profile on Dr. Denis Mukwege, who has done, um, you know, he's like done more to try to heal the wounds of the war, like literally and figuratively, uh, based in Bukavu, um, which is right on the border with Rwanda in South Kivu, you know, uh, along with Goma in North Kivu are really, these are the two cities that are like ground zero of the recent Congo wars. And Mukwege has a, clin- um, a hospital, the Pansy Hospital, uh, where he was medical director for a long time, uh, where he treats basically victims of the war and the sexual violence of the war, um, among other uh, victims. So um, what to say? <laughs> I've written, like I said, uh, the first time I came back from the Congo, I wrote a profile of Mukwege for the progressive magazine called Healing in the Congo. I'll try to add a link to that as well um, to go with this uh, podcast. But um, I mainly wanted to talk a bit about James Kabarebe, like who is this person and why is it so Terrifying when James Kabarebe goes on television and mentions the name of somebody like uh, Dr. McCoye. And uh, so, you know, James Kabarebe right now, I believe, is a special presidential advisor. He was from 2010 to 2018 the Minister of Defense. And uh, up until then, he was also a higher up in the um, Rwandan... Military, he uh, he's one of the original commanders who invaded Rwanda from Uganda, the Rwandan Patriotic Front uh, that invaded in 1990. He was always, uh, you know, I guess I think he was a young lieutenant colonel back in 1990, you know, under 30 years old, and then um, he was essentially the leader of the 1996 invasion, the leader of the 1998 invasion, and the leader of the post-1998 occupation of the Kivus. So he's really the architect of the military and counterinsurgency strategies in the Kivus, Rwanda and by if you accept that rwanda is more or less a proxy of the united states then it's he's the he's the person that's implementing this agenda on the ground so i just wanted to share i did a twitter kind of storm about this um about who Kabarebe is just using uh notes from my book which which all come from other kind of documented sources um one of them, probably the most salient thing that I thought of when I heard of this uh, thing Kabarebe said about Mukwege is that um, that there was a major assassination of a uh, Ro- former Rwandan Ro- important leader who was probably a colleague of uh, James Kabarebe named Patrick Karagea. Patrick Karagea was um, an intelligence officer uh, uh, in in uh, Rwanda and he fell out. Presumably he became a critic of Paul Kagame, which no critic of Paul Kagame lasts very long, um, in Rwanda, uh, especially if they're Rwand, Rwandese. Um, so Patrick Karagea, who was killed in South Africa, um, at the end of 2013 or the beginning of 2014, um, and he, he was he was strangled. And, uh, and so here's what Kabarebe said to the press after that assassination. He said, do not waste your time on reports that so-and-so was strangled with a rope in whatever country. When you choose to be a dog, you die like a dog and the cleaners will wipe away the trash so that it does not stink for them. Actually, such consequences are faced by those who have chosen such a path. There's nothing we can do about it and we should not be interrogated over it. And in fact, uh, Kagame had a similar speech. He said, whoever betrays the country will pay the price, I assure you. Letting down a country wishing harm on people, you end up suffering the negative consequences. Any person still alive who may be plotting against Rwanda, whoever they are, will pay the price. Whoever it is, it's a matter of time. I hear some of our people saying we're not the ones who did it. It's true they're not the ones who did it, but that's not my concern because you should be doing it. What is surprising is that you are not doing it. People who dare betray the country. So this is how. <laughs> I mean, the idea that there's even a pretense of plausible deniability here is a bit shaky. Uh, this, these are uh, rationalizations um, and calls to, I mean, uh, incitement, right? I mean, it's hard to interpret it any other way. These are these are quotes that I uh, present in my book. Um, okay, so now let's. That was. This is 2014. Let's go back to 1996. Um, 1996, uh, the war was. Um, you know, the details of these wars are something I I would again rec- send you to the book. I'm I'm thinking of doing a series. Uh, detailing what happened in Rwanda and the DRC, all of all three big wars. So um, if you want to think of it that way, 94, 96, 98. Um, but until then, um, let me say that in the 1996 war that Kabarebe commanded, there were hundreds of thousands of uh, refugees that were killed um, in big massacres um, in the Kivus, and, uh, that Kabarebe was basically the commander responsible for the whole campaign. Um, in 1998, uh, when Laurent Kabila, who had been installed by Rwanda, when he told them to leave, uh, Kabarebe, uh, <laughs> the story goes, and this was reported by Africa or repeated by Africanist scholar, uh, Gerard Prunier in his book Africa's World War, I think the book is from 2009, Oxford University Press, and I quote this at length as well. Uh, so he says, um, "The Colonel, so Laurent Kabila goes to on the radio to order Rwanda troops to leave Kabarebe. He comes to say goodbye to Kabila. He's his bodyguards have Kabila's bodyguards have been replaced." from Rwandans to Congolese. The, cur- the colonel who commanded these bodyguards asked Kabarebe to leave his sidearm at the guard's desk before entering the president's office, which he did. But the colonel had a doubt at the last minute and asked Kabarebe to let himself be frisked. Commander James reluctantly agreed and was found to carry a small thirty two caliber pistol in his boot. The colonel confiscated it, fuming. Kabila grinned and said he had to be careful about his security. As he was about to step into Kabila's office, the colonel shouted at him to take off his beret, saying that out of respect, he had to appear bareheaded in front of the president. Kabarebe refused and a scuffle ensued. In the scuffle, the beret was torn off his head and a very small twenty-two caliber automatic fell to the floor. Four days later, the war broke out and Commander James was leading the attack. And by the way, assassination of the important leaders uh, of uh, any kind of movement or opposition to the RPF is a big part of their strategy uh, and always has been, including back before the Rwandan uh, war, in, including when they were um, important military officers in the Ugandan war. They assassinated a major um, in a helicopter crash in Uganda in the 80s. Uh, so the war in 1998 um, to start that war, Kabarebe um, hijacked a bunch of passenger airplanes, had them filled with troops and flew to Kitona Air Base. They, the troops rampaged across uh, the country to the Inga Dam, the hydroelectric dam, which provided power to Kinshasa and other cities. And they turned, they shut that dam down. So that's a, also a war crime, kind of casually committed um fully documented and uh, and I mean everybody knew no, there's no there was no denying it or anything it was just uh, part of the part of the military strategy um, and also of extremely on the on the political military side an extremely counterproductive strategy since it completely alienated um, everybody who had their power shut off uh, you and um Anyway, Kabarebe actually ran into severe military trouble in that campaign in 1998. And his forces were actually defeated and surrounded by Laurent Kabila's allies, namely from Angola, Zimbabwe, and Namibia. And at that point, Kagame uh, called in the U.S. to exert diplomatic pressure to save Kabarebe, which they did. Um, And Kabarebe was basically allowed to withdraw. So after that, um, Kabarebe became the architect of the kind of occupation of Eastern Congo by Rwanda and Rwandan proxies, and those that kind of counterinsurgency or insurgency, whatever you want to call it, was a really was where many many of the atrocities recorded in the UN mapping report were um, committed, and uh, it's that. Um, that is the uh, report that is uh, incensed Cabarebe and M- Dr. Mukwege's advocacy of that report, which is, again, like a United Nations report. Uh, and there have been a series of these really important reports on natural resource exploitation that talks about the so-called Congo desk in Rwanda, where they had an office in Rwanda dedicated to the plundering of... Congolese minerals and the export of them to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars every single year, uh, starting in the starting with the ninety six invasion. And so, where we are now is people in the Congo are trying to revive the idea of independence from. This de facto Rwandan occupation—they're trying to again, like, take control back of their state, um, and uh, and Rwanda, and especially you know Kabarebe, who is probably the next in line after Paul Kagame, uh, is um, making threats uh, towards these um, Congolese, especially a leader like Dr. Mukwege, who has a lot of moral prestige and who. Has uh, you know, play is just a really um, compelling and uh, humanitarian type of uh, figure. He's a doctor. He's a medical director. He's um, a pe- an advocate of peace and uh, and an end to the war and the occupation. So, uh, what? the different human rights organizations that no McQuege are calling for, like I said, this is a, this is a kind of a human, human rights um, campaign uh, message that even I'm making here is they, they want, uh, they want additional kind of protection. It would be, um, they want, you know, bodyguards. Mukwege usually has bodyguards and um, some of that they just want, various kinds levels of reassurance that uh McWaige is not under a uh, threat and um that's why they're trying to raise the profile of this uh of this situation and raise the profile of both the threat and of Dr. Mukwege's work so please um you know do what you can take a look at what physicians for human rights is uh, asking for. And, you know, if you do have a chance, I mean, if you do, um, if you're inclined to send letters and send your messages and make posts on social media and, and direct those kinds of communications to, uh, to try to create some buzz, that would be appreciated as well. All right. That's, that's my 16 minutes, uh, on this topic. Um, so, thanks for listening. And if you want to pursue this further, yeah, I'd recommend my my book. Um, I'd recommend uh, the profile that I wrote about McCoy Gay as well. <laughs>